0: The Science Inside Podcast. This is the Science Inside science, science, science.
1: Hello and welcome to The Science Inside. I am your host, Bridget LeBere, and welcome to the new month of June. I think I can safely say that winter has officially arrived and we will be putting on extra layers of clothing to, you know, just shelter ourselves away from the cold. But now with this being the new month, every month here on The Science Inside, we also feature a scientist who is doing exceptional work within their field of expertise. So every first Monday of a new month we give that particular science a face and this month is no exception we will be chatting with Ngulego Tunzi born and bred in soweto dube he attended both his primary and high schooling in soweto but he also went to the 20 university of technology's sosh campus to further his studies in computer science and now he is here at simulung digital innovation precinct where he's working from the red bull base camp premises on his current project now the reason we have him here in our studio with us is that he has invented a really awesome gadget guys he has invented an innovative walking stick that aids blind people to navigate around their spaces with much ease the walking aid is called bulatila meaning make way it uses the art of artificial intelligence and machine learning features which are meant to interpret the surroundings of that particular individual who's doing the walking with the stick. So what it does essentially is it detects objects and any other obstacles that are surrounding this person. And then it creates an alternative direction for the person to move in and then gives the blind person feedback. I think this is a very novel and noble thing that he has done and a great relief to see that you know scientists and other people are mindful of people with disabilities and people who are physically or visually impaired. And I think this is really inspiring. I believe this is going to make a great change in the way that blind people move around their spaces. I'm sure they'll put this device to great use. And I know this is very exciting. And just like me, you want to hear more from Nkulego about him and his device. But before we do that, firstly, we will do what we usually do. We get into the
0: news. This week's science headline. My name is Kempus Sharima and we're getting to the news. In the news making headlines this week, UP prepares for the fourth industrial revolution as it employs a robot to help students in libraries. And in our second story, Huawei South Africa has launched the first free 5G training for postgraduates at Uvitz University. The University of Pretoria has embraced the fourth industrial revolution wave by digitizing their library assistance. UP's Department of Library Services has employed the first client service robot known to be in use in any university library in Africa. Libby, as she is called, is a robot originally from China that weighs about 19 kilograms and is 90 centimeters tall, a height tall enough to also interact with visitors in wheelchairs. She has an array of over 60 sensors, cameras and software integrations that enable her to receive and process various commands and requests from students using the command language of English. She also comes with a tablet integrated on her chest area for manual input. Her brain is connected to Watson, IBM's question-answering computer system, which processes queries directed at Libby. She runs off Android-based software connected to the online via Wi-Fi, which enables her to send information back and forth so she can answer queries or process data from the servers she is able to carry out. Libby, however, is also wired to perform social and entertaining tasks such as dancing and playing music, all for a light pet on the head. The robot Libby started working at UP's Mavensky Library on the F- Hatfield campus on Tuesday the 28th of May 2019. The Department of Library Services claims Libby is not a threat to anyone's job but she's merely part of the library's innovative progress. This dedicated service robot will only perform general repetitive tasks that staff perform around the library thereby releasing them to perform more advanced and specialized services. The department funded Libby in partnership with a reputable Johannesburg-based company that assembled and shipped her domestically. UP and its Merensky Two library are the first university and university library in Africa to make use of a dedicated client-facing robot as part of their reliable feedback loop the libraries also formed focus groups with students on what they would like to see or experience in interactions with the robot an internal team of staff has also been identified to oversee Libby's daily operations in our second story Huawei South Africa launched a free 5G training program for postgraduate students at Wits University and University of Pretoria. The course is part of the Huawei ICT Talent Ecosystem program, which was designed to encourage the growth and support of ICT skills training in South Africa. Following this launch, the tech company plans to extend the program to the rest of the country. The Deputy Vice Chancellor of Research at Wits, Professor Ziblon Vilagazi, who
2: also spoke at the launch ceremony explained how this collaboration came to be partnership with Huawei can be seen in the same context as partnerships we've had with many other tech companies, IBM and so on and so forth. And it happens here that Huawei have had an interest in doing an experimental test in one of our small laboratories to see whether, you know, just dedicate a small room to see whether we can just do a prototype test of this. And running parallel with that, of course, was the interest to start a nationwide process. First, and the University of Johannesburg and I think Pretoria, I'm not sure about that, are among the first universities to actually have the training program in uh, 5g as you know 5g is similar to opening up a new motorway you've moved from one second and third and now we're going to the 5g technologies which will mean that uh, a new spectrum a new motorway for information passage will be opened but that requires the understanding of the various network protocols to uh, manage that this technology i don't think it should it's most for postgraduates it's aimed at senior undergraduates and obviously postgraduates because it'll be very important for their research and their preparation for implementation of this technology with huawei being acknowledged
0: as one of the global leaders in groundbreaking 5g technology this could be seen as the key to the fourth industrial revolution for south africa the expansion of this technology and knowledge could bring tremendous benefits to the technological advancement of the country as well as the economy Professor Vilagazi explains what this 5G training program could mean for Vitz and South Africa at large. This
2: partnership came about because of Vitz's uh, goal of Making sure that by 2022, we have graduates who are prepared for the new knowledge economy and the work starts now. That in preparation for the challenges of the digital information era, or you call it the fourth industrial revolution, this starts with ensuring that we equip our graduates with the latest acquisition of skills and access technologies to make it easier for them to become uh, effective participants.
0: According to the Deputy CEO of Huawei, Kian Chen, research shows that about 70% of all jobs by 2020 will have an ICT component which puts this program ahead of the curve by equipping the youth of South Africa. This is expected to contribute significantly towards the country's development goals. Recapping your stories this hour, UP prepares for the fourth industrial revolution as it employs a robot to help students in libraries and Huawei South Africa has launched the first and free 5G training for postgraduate students at Wits University. This week's news stories were sourced from the BBC, News 24, and SABC News. I'm Kampian Jarima, and that is all for our news desk.
1: Really invigorating stories there. Talk about tech working for you, and I'm sure uh, our guest here in the studio can identify more than identify with those stories because they are all tech-based, and, you know, with uh, artificial intelligence featuring there in that first story on uh, um, Libby.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I never thought this would happen anytime soon. Yeah,
1: especially for South <laughs> Africa and at a university, no yes. less. Yeah. I know that one of the banking companies, they have one of these assistive Robots, but um yeah, I, I'm not really sure about. You know, when they say that, oh, they're not going to take anybody's job. <laughs> yes, they are <laughs> because they're replacing somebody's job. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. somebody was supposed to be treating people, who's mm-hmm. maybe the re- reception or the admin person. They're not there anymore.
0: Yeah, well, banks are basically they are very take intensive uh, firms, and they operate on very systemized everything. So I'd expect that to happen in banks. But in terms of like I think it's pretty tricky. But when it comes to taking out jobs, I think it also depends on the number of uh, machines we're employing and using in these institutions. But for one, I think it's a safe number. We'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah. Maybe they could just give it a job to pack those books or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And um, the, the Huawei story... I'd have to say nice move by Huawei. I mean, given the, you know, stories that made the rounds and, you know, with Huawei might be losing clientele. I think it was a smart move by bringing in this 5G technology program and advancing the South African communities.
0: Absolutely. Well, Huawei has been leading in 5G technology and uh, it's been a race for the Western countries versus China anyways. But in this case, I think they've really, really done us a great favor because 5G technology, Technology is not that common in in Africa, not even to mention South Africa. So by them giving us a free course, I mean, this is free after all. This is groundbreaking technological news. I'm looking forward to this and seeing what it brings for the country and the youth of South Africa.
1: Well, let us return after the break.
0: This week's Science Headline. You're listening to The Science Inside, bringing you science around major news events.
1: Welcome back. You're still with The Science Inside. And as promised, in studio tonight, we have computer scientist from the Tswane University of Technology. He's also an entrepreneur who has designed and developed a walking aid for blind people to help them navigate and walk around with much ease. And this walking aid uses artificial intelligence to inform the user of obstacles that may be along their path and sort of give them information so that they can avert danger. Good evening, Lego. A very warm welcome to the Science Inside.
3: Oh evening. Good evening. Uh, great to be here. Uh, thanks for the invite.
1: First of all, I'd like to say congratulations on achieving what you have achieved so far. I know you are in the process of working things out, but I'd like you to tell me more about this concept, how it came about, and let's take it from there.
3: Uh, How it happened is that there was a day I was on my way to work. At that time, I was still doing my internship. So I saw this lady standing on the traffic lights for some time, for about two minutes to three minutes. So while I was waiting for the bus to fill up. So she stood there on the traffic lights, she was blind, she couldn't cross and then no one helped her and then I asked myself how can someone be standing on the traffic lights for so long and that people so from there um, I did a little bit of research on what are existing um, working aids in the market and then I saw that okay with uh, the technology that I have um, b- at based web I can use to prototype I, I built then a prototype uh, into from 2016 and then I started there
1: Okay, so you're saying the studies that you went into, they essentially gave you the information and the know-how on how to develop this device that you have been working on?
3: Okay, so the device, um, it's more of uh, playing around with different technologies, okay? And then from there, when you see a particular technology, you think about how can I use it further? So when I did my research and said, okay, how can I make it easier and unique? And then use like um, existing technology. At that time, it was uh, my school resources. It's more of looking at what can I use at the current moment and then from there, just take it from there and grow. And what have you found with the
1: current walking sticks? Do they have any technological assistance or artificial intelligence assistance incorporated in them? What makes your aid so unique? Because I only know about just the stick that doesn't have any tech attached to it. But what have you found during your research?
3: Um, So there are existing uh, walking aids that have sensors, you know, some have single sensors, uh, some have double sensors, Mm -hmm. so for me it was, uh, I need more details than just one sensor. It was mainly, uh, the minute I'm approaching an an obstacle, uh, it will only do vibrations and vibrate at a certain level based on the distance.
1: Just like a car, really? Yes. Some of the new cars that we have, how cool is that? <laughs> yes,
3: you know, such, such such technology, but you find that you can get a sensor that you can play around with and then see how much you can use it in whatever project. So from there, that's how then it, it came to that point whereby, uh, with what I have let me see what I, I can use. So with the existing ones they have some have single sensors and some have double sensors. Some are more advanced that you when you look at it they were way more expensive you know to to implement. there have been some cool research uh, lately whereby you can embed a chip in your eye so that when you look at it in our context it's not a, a situation whereby someone can afford mm-hmm. you know so yeah it was more about Getting something that would be helpful and making it accessible.
1: Yeah. Wow, awesome. I like the fact that you are thinking about the costs implied because it's not a stick for you, it's a stick for the people who are going to be making use of it. But would you know what the price range would be like maybe?
3: So with technology you cannot predict the price. Currently we're on our early stages. Uh they've still been doing more research. Uh, I mean where we started it was from We've been having three prototypes now, okay. so you see now the changes that happening with the changes in the industry on the technology. You, you 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 tend to see um how can it be incorporated. So price wise is not quite uh, easy to tell right now mm-hmm. because we still on R and D. So the next step is to try to come up with um, a much more cheaper and more reliable uh, project, also product, you know.
1: And then you said you started the prototype in 2016, right? Yes. And with that being said, I'd like to find out then how far are you with the process of, you know, you have it on paper three prototypes as you have mentioned before. Is it going to go into the market anytime soon? Uh, You know, those are the kind of details I'm looking for.
3: Alright, so now based on the journey that uh, i've been through Mm -hmm. i've realized that um, at the first prototype it was can it be done yes it can be done so now the second one was more of how can we now make it look more appealing so at that time it was a bit bigger you know it more it looked like a toy it it, it didn't make sense to someone who didn't understand what it does Mm -hmm. someone who think uh, maybe it's just a toy i'll play with Uh, So. Then after we Red Bull Basement Program, uh, there have been a lot of good influences around uh, shaping the product. So it was more now coming up with a practical solution and see then how far we can get. So with the current one, is it, what's nice is that we can do testing now. Mm-hmm. It's small enough to do testing, it's small enough to borrow someone uh, who's blind uh, in the hood or wherever and just to say, try it out and see. Uh, what feedback we'd get. So currently we want to do testing. We haven't done testing in like all these prototypes because of the changes and the technology we come across. Uh, The first one we didn't do 3D printing. So the second one and the third one, that's when we started to apply 3D printing. So 3D printing helps us to shape the product in whatever way we want to uh, change and and tweak it there and there. Like I said, we're still on R&D. So it's not quite uh, easy to tell right now to say, do we really need to push it now? You want to make something better and not something whereby to have a lot of faults. Secondly, we are looking to work with professionals like doctors, people who train our blind people so that they can give us more knowledge around their navigation dynamics and incorporate that so that we build something people can get the best way out of it.
1: Mm. This is heartwarming. Campion, do you have
0: a question? Yeah, I just wanted to find out. uh, So you talked about how this has been tested throughout. I just wanted to know who has been giving the feedback on how usable the product is or is going to be.
3: We haven't got it to a stage where we get a blind person to to use it. The reason was that because of the shape and the size before. So now we're in a position whereby... We can. It's small enough that we can give it to someone. So the, our next goal now is to get that person who we can work with and and, and start to do testing. Preferably, we want to do it with professionals, you know, at a, at a goal, mm-hmm. other than just having someone randomly, because they will tell us based on what they feel. But if we get a professional, then you will get a more scientific thing to say, this is how it works, what if we incorporate something that may affect their Their body structure, or you know, their sensory feelings, or something. You know, if will it disturb them during their navigation when they are walking in the streets because they're paying too much attention to what the robot tells them compared to you know, balancing both the device and the surrounding. We consider things like the um, how they navigate currently using sound, using feelings, you know, their foot. So we want to build something that can complement that instead of taking that away, you know. Mm-hmm. So testing is what we are currently looking into, and uh, especially with professionals. So we've been having a little bit of challenge to get into that, yeah. but uh, hopefully we will get there.
1: And as far as testing, have you thought as far as how you're going to be rolling out the program of testing it out? Is it going to be um, like a clinical kind of trial yeah. uh, set up or how is it going to look like?
3: Okay, uh, at a starting point, we're looking to have like a center where we can say, you know, this is where we'll train. Especially if it's in a controlled environment. Sure. And then from there, we will expand and say this go out to the real world now. It's better when you go out to the real world where they know how to use it, then by the time they know how to use it, they tend to understand what are the challenges when it comes to in a real life environment. Things like, you know, it's too much people in the street. Is the system responsive enough? You know, mm-hmm. does it detect the number of cars that it sees uh, accurately or, you know, to, to take to Check those things. So as a starting point, we're looking to get a, a clinical environment uh, where we can be set up and just control the environment. We need a controlled environment more than at the early stages.
1: Great. Well, I'm just blown away by this. I really can't believe this is happening this soon. I mean, this is awesome. But apparently, your interests in IT—it it happened by chance, really. Tell me about it. <laughs>
3: So when I was young, uh, I wanted to be a vet, you know, Mm -hmm. so uh, because I realized, okay, I love animals personally, so I used to experiment, I used to capture spiders. And put them in a bottle and just check their behavior. (laughs) And, you know, at home, we've got pigeons, we've got dogs. So basically, they take care of them. So if I had a spider, I know pigeons have got some flies and insects that can find there So I'll take them and feed the spider. Uh And then just see the behavior. So I wanted to be a vet. uh, So I realized, uh, cost-wise, you know, financially to be a challenge. So then I thought of doing, being a pilot. So my brother used to feed me a lot with um, aviation books. And then I would read, I would get inspired by aviation. And then I also realized uh, the easiest way if I were to get to aviation, I would have to go to the military. And yeah. at that time, I was not that ready mm-hmm. for that. So, but on upon my research, I found that being a pilot also helps with uh, having uh, a qualification in IT. So this one, okay, cool. Maybe that in the near future can tap into that. Then I went to our ITUT, applied for IT, I qualified, but then because of the environment I didn't like at that time, I moved to, to engineering. That's when a lot of things changed and I saw things in different way. Yeah.
1: So is it the learning environment that you didn't like or the course itself?
3: No, I didn't even do the course itself. Okay. Um, it was during orientation week, you know, people say so yeah, these are the number of students in IT and when you do, it's about, yeah. A lot of numbers. Yeah. And then when they talk about the other course, computer systems by the way, not computer science.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, yes.
3: So yeah, when they say computer systems engineering and then we did eighty people and then was oh, so yeah. much difference. Yes. And then I did a little bit of research, what is really in there. That was quite cool. And then I found out okay it was more demanding um, we needed more marks to get into it and at the time I qualified because I got a distinction in maths and physics in wow. high school so I qualified then I got in, just jumped to the course then first day I got things, I was like ah, where was all this hiding <laughs> you know, so yeah So you how.
0: really, really enjoyed the course
3: Very, very,
0: very much Your yeah. yeah, journey seems very interesting to me and there's a little bit of a back and forth in trying to rediscover or discover yourself basically, I just want to know how how your family felt about this whole journey you took? Were they supportive or were they also confused at some point? What what really happened?
3: Yeah, there, there was a bit of confusion, you know, especially during uh, orientation week, already I'm changing a course. Hmm. So they didn't really know what other course uh, I did I take. The only thing I said is just, no, I changed the course, I'm no longer into IT only to find out later, and said, no, what I'm doing is still IT, but uh, incorporated with uh, electrical engineering Mm. and electronics. So I was like, okay, cool. So they were a bit confused, seeing me with some toolbox, you know, having all my equipment and practical things. So, yeah, they were supportive. They didn't say, no, we shouldn't have them. They just said, no, as long as you're doing what you want. And, okay, that was the start of it. Okay.
1: and tell me about the red bull program how did you get in involved in that program
3: i saw a, a a an ad online about red bull basement with the wanted like uh, tech for good you know a yeah, social social innovation sure. project so then i did a research and checked out how to get in i then i filled in the application form explained what the project does and then i got uh, accepted so from there yeah the we assigned mentors uh, our coaches well, we assisted with getting the minimal resources we needed to move to the next stage mm-hmm. um we, we had sessions workshops where we learned more about you know apart from building stuff about running a business how you can grow you know and then based on the stage you are in and then that's how the 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 encourage us uh, that's what we learned also. So yeah, it was great. Um, good influence, you know. Um, sometimes I think about if it wasn't the Red Pool you know, how would have certain things happened. Uh, sometimes I realize that uh, you need certain things that will push you. So I think for the Red Pool it was more of pushing new boundaries. I didn't expect to get to that stage, but mm-hmm. uh, it happened so quick. You've come a long way. Yeah. like uh, there now i am in the stage where i wanted to it, you sure know? so yeah getting feedback from other people is important um even though they will criticize and you will feel bad and saying ah he's taking me for granted no it's okay it's a learning curve
1: yeah mm-hmm. and the prospects of getting into business was it something that you always wanted to pursue
3: Uh not really you know when i'm alone sometimes i think about things i used to do and then Try to relate with what I'm doing now. So I remember back in primary school, they used to sell chocolate. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll play because it was hot at that time. I didn't have a place to keep, so I just brought it in a plastic and put it in a water bottle filled with water. Yeah. So the water would just keep it cool.
1: Ah, oh, you are always so innovative mean <laughs> <laughs> you
3: thinking. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, while we were playing there, and then someone said, I want a chocolate. And so, no, I'm selling it. So at that time, you know, I didn't take it serious. You know, I was just doing for the sake of being a child, you know. Yeah. So I think I was, you know, but I didn't realize it that, you know, maybe. Yeah, was into business and science.
1: Yeah. All of your loves coming together as one. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: So if you missed it, you can still find whatever that we spoke on earlier on during the show on Facebook. We are VAUFM. You can also tweet us at vow FM hashtag science inside and our WhatsApp line is oh eight four oh eight seven four nine. One two. So we still have Uncle Lego Tunzi with us, but as you would have it on the Science Inside, we always have unscience, and we are going to take a little break, and then after the break, we get into unscience.
0: This is the Science Inside. <laughs>
1: It's that time of the show, which many of us love. Well, I love it because it's, you know, silly, it's quirky. Sometimes it's just downright hilarious. And as many times on the Science Inside, we bring you the information around science and tech. And we find something really interesting to talk about on Unscience. And this week's Unscience was produced by Campion Zarima.
2: Unusual. Unlikely.
0: On First of all, let me say I'm very fascinated by strange ocean creatures that live in the waters But today I'd like to talk about a jellyfish And I'm sure you've seen what it looks like before, right?
1: Yeah, a couple of times And yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> creature
0: <laughs> So would you know how to describe it or should I do it for you?
1: (laughs) Go
0: ahead Okay, so this is complicated Brace for it So this creature has no eyes, no ears, no nose, uh, no brain or heart They don't even have a head or muscles, no mouth, no blood, no stomach and no reproductive organ But it stings with poison and it's just by mere contact Also, it's transparent
1: so how is it alive <laughs> if it doesn't have anything <laughs> that characterizes something that's alive because i mean it's basically a plant <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it is an animal actually i'll give you the scientific description of this creature sure, right? go ahead. so jellyfish are invertebrates which means they don't have a spine but together with corals and other animals, they belong to a group called the nidarians, which is a group of animals that have stinging cells which they use to both capture their prey and also as a form of defense. And these cells contain the capsule in the interior which, which actually is rolled up in a firmament and contains poison. And if a prey animal makes contact with the surface of the jellyfish, the capsule opens and the filaments are ejected and stick into the prey injecting their poison.
1: Mm. Did you say they are spineless? So are you saying those spineless human beings, we can call them you jellyfish?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they would really take offense with that.
1: (laughs) But why are they transparent?
0: It's actually because their body is 95% water, which means they are perfectly camouflaged. And the body of a jellyfish is divided into three parts. So there's the umbrella part, (laughs) the oral arms, which are around the mouth and the mouth in quotes by the way and the stinging tentacles so they have an internal cavity which uh in which digestion is carried out and it has a single aperture which carries out the functions of both the mouth and the anus
1: Okay, I'm still not
0: convinced
1: how how this thing is going an animal because, I mean, there are so many of them in the ocean, but how do they reproduce?
0: Oh yeah, that's actually another strange part. (laughs) So the jellyfish have separate sexes, which means uh, they have a male and female jellyfish.
1: Uh, Hold on. In one jellyfish? (laughs) No,
0: no, no. It's actually separate. All right. So there's a male and the female jellyfish. But for them to reproduce, the males and females release sperms and eggs into the water. Which is the sexual reproduction and after fertilization they develop larvae which give rise to new jellyfish or which settle down on the sea bottom as polyps which are the little ones and from these polyps by means of asexual reproduction which means there's no sexual contact the new free-living jellyfish may develop
1: no wonder they are spineless <laughs> i mean they're not great parents either
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
1: but how do they arise and where do they live and, you know, those
0: things? So jellyfish are they're inhabitants of the tropical seas and of the cold waters of the Arctic. So you can, you can be rest assured that you won't find them anytime soon if you don't move out of South Africa. <laughs> but um, they have been there for over 650 million years. And jellyfish are pelagic animals, which means they live in open seas. And although they can propel themselves, they basically move at the mercy of the currents of the sea.
1: Oh, gosh, Why? What do they live for? What do they? What do they eat? I mean, it seems like literally they just love to eat.
0: Uh, yeah, they do I've eat. never
1: heard of any great thing that a jellyfish <laughs> has done apart from stinging people.
0: <laughs> well, they do eat, and uh, it's funny that you bring that up. They are carnivores and can increase in size rapidly and create a large number of individuals when food is abundant. However, if we discuss, they can become smaller. And these animals have a very unsophisticated anatomy, which is nevertheless very effective. And they feed mainly on zooplankton, small crustaceans, Although some f- small fish and other jellyfish also form part of their diet. And it is strange to see a jellyfish let it spray inside its body before it is digested because they are transparent. So you can actually see the food inside it when, when it's digesting.
1: Okay, great. I want us to skip to the part where I've been told many times that if you're stung by a jellyfish, somebody needs to urinate on you. So <laughs> I want you to just skip to that part because I want to learn. Is this true? Is it effective?
0: Well, first of all, that's a lie. Uh, It won't help. Trust me, it won't. But I can tell you what to do in case you've been attacked by a jellyfish. Mm -hmm. So, three main points. first one is, if there's a large number of jellyfish in coastal waters, the beach should be closed for at least 24 hours. Taking precautions even if the jellyfish are abundant at some distance from the coastline. And the second is if a jellyfish is seen in the water, it is better to not take any risks even if it's some distance off, as with the action of the waves, its tentacles can break off and the cells in the floating fragments will remain active. And what is more, and is necessary. is to advise bathers who are not familiar with these organisms that they should not touch them even if they appear to be dead. And lastly, jellyfish should not be touched in the sand even though they appear to be dead. So the stinging cells remain active for a period of time. Even walking along the water's edge can be dangerous as there are many remains of tentacles in the sand. It is necessary for a period of a day's sun to deactivate the stinging cells located in the fragments.
1: Can one die?
0: Actually, you can. It's very possible to die from (laughs) a Jennifer sting. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, you just gave me the shock of my life because some time back while I was in high school I think there was a jellyfish lying on the floor and I was prodding it and <laughs> poking it and everybody kept on saying don't don't do it but I'm sure it was dead for some time that's why hey I'm still here right
0: yeah you're alive <laughs> we're talking in the studio so that means you must be you must have survived.
1: Well there was unusual unlikely unscience and next up we get up close and personal with Ungulago Dunzi after the break.
2: Unusual unlikely on Science. Stay curious. Stay informed. Stay on the
0: Science Inside.
1: You're still on the Science Inside and welcome back. Earlier on we were having a chat with Ngulelo Tunzi, who is a computer systems graduate from TUT and now we were talking about his work and the device that he has developed and then he has also mentioned that they have three prototypes right now and Very soon, actually, we might see his product in stores where blind people will have access to this really amazing walking aid that will help them to to see better. But right now, we are getting up close and personal, and we want to hear more about the man behind the science. So, welcome back.
0: Yeah, thanks. So
1: yeah, we want to get up close and personal. I know that your first choice was to be a vet and you headed to TUT, but what about those aspirations of, you know, becoming a vet or maybe pursuing veterinary sciences?
3: What about those? Yes. Um Okay, so personally, you know, Um, I love animals from Mm -hmm. since a very young age. So I used to trap pigeons uh, and then I sometimes eat them. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah.
1: okay do you love jellyfish <laughs> we just spoke about jellyfish <laughs>
3: no 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 Because it's uh, stinging and kills me <laughs> no. yeah. all right yeah. yeah so that was i don't I don't know if we found it strange but that's how we grew up you know uh, we we grew up making things like Amakati, you know and hit some beds with some some stones and then if we managed to get one and then we just you know Eat it, you know. Buy it with the friends and friends, and eat. So from that venture, you know, I know at some point it was like you want to be a vet and then you eat pigeons. <laughs> those kind of spinach, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but for me it was more um my childhood uh, times. You know. Yes, I would I would choose first. You know which one I eat. I would eat the ones the wild birds, uh the ones we usually call the mama positive. So which yeah. ones are those ones? the ones that um the clear ones oh those
1: ones that make that annoying sound yes okay yeah
3: Yeah, so i would catch those they're very smart you know but it was difficult to catch but i would catch one and then i would eat those ones. Then the domestic ones i just keep for myself because sometimes you used to brag with you know i've got the best pigeons you know i've got more nice pigeons so it still happens a lot of people do that you know even at home we still have pigeons a lot of them
1: do the tastes vary no, domestic. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Sorry. No, they're pretty much the same. You know, sometimes become innovative and put some spices and, and, and marinate. Yeah, and, and We once made a bride. It was a long time ago, like 10 pigeons. Oh uh, my goodness.
0: That is a lot.
3: I mean, it's like micro farming, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I consider it micro farming mm-hmm. because, like, having chickens. You know, yeah. If you have chickens at home, uh, might as well take one and eat. You know, so that's how we'd consider it. I've done a lot of projects around volunteering in the SPCA because I was part of the Transpect Student Council mm-hmm. in 2011.
1: Mm.
3: But you choose a project as a way to engage to the community and then yeah, then you uh, keep a record of what you have done. So I used to <laughs> go to the SPCA and volunteer there for some time. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so I found that journey interesting. and Yeah, at the time I was living my dream. Yeah, I was inspired because I would talk to the bears and ask them, how long, how long did it take you? I said, ah, I studied for seven years. Well, yeah. Ah, seven years, okay. Yeah, if I have time, I don't mind going back and enrolling for that course just for fun of it.
1: Great. And it turns out that your love for human beings is just as great as your love for animals because i know you have a non-profit ghetto nerds project or program that you run tell me about it
3: okay so with ghetto nerds how did it start so when i was in high school i've been a very active person at that you know um, yeah i used to jump to opportunities if i see sure so i used to participate also in tech competitions so we'll be grouped in, in by our technology teacher and then we'll be grouped and then we'll build projects using maybe uh, recyclable material. And then we'll go to competitions and ex- exhibit with other schools and get charged. So when other schools went, went there to present, they'll build awesome projects like robots, you know, cars that move on their own, RC cars, the one you usually buys toys, mm-hmm. but they'll build their own. Um, so I asked myself, where did they get the resources, where did they get the knowledge, who taught them, who helped them, and then why didn't we have that? So I made, from there, that's what uh, triggered me to, to to continue to pursue the technology side of things, because I also loved technology at that time. So after I completed my course, I decided to you know start something, since I got the knowledge um, let me go and plant it back in, in the hood, you know, and then share the knowledge with other kids. The knowledge that we couldn't get, then now we're making it accessible. Sure. So with Ketunets, that's why I started Ketunets. They to create a platform where learners can come and then about new technology, you know, robotics, uh, programming, 3D printing, you know, be tech safe, you know, and incorporate that in their projects and improve, make learning fun again. And when was this established? Uh, last year. Last year. Yeah. Oh,
1: great. And then the kind of people who uh, come in or who you expect right. to come into the program, what kind of people do you take in? Is it just anybody who walks in and is interested?
3: Okay, so we started, let me first, how we started. Uh, we started by exi- um, exi- um, visiting the nearest schools. So mm-hmm. the first one was the one I went to, Tadwanga Secondary School. So with the nearest schools, were, the nearest was also Ngubi and Tazlokhang, and one non-profit organization called Nong Centre for Mental Science and Technology. So we went there to exhibit and show kids about what other technologies are there, and how they can incorporate it with their studies? So at that time, we we're only doing exhibitions. Mm-hmm. We haven't done like a full program where people can walk in and then stuff. So I've been doing more proposals to be based in a school library in a library, mm-hmm. uh, our local library. So yeah, that process has been. Started, but we haven't got to the stage where we finalize things. So, we wanted a, a place whereby when kids or whoever wants to know about more about kids and it, we say, Come to this place. Uh, sometimes you cannot do projects based in Soweto and then you are based in town, of course. Then, you know, then you're not, what you're doing won't be sustainable. Mm-hmm. You know, we need people whereby they can get access to that on a daily basis, even if our a child comes out of school and says after school I'm going to the library we, then you're gonna find us there and then to build on some cool robots and applications so we, we haven't done like a full walk-in program but the age group currently we're focusing on high school learners uh-huh. because at least those ones they can grasp quick and it's preparing towards them, um, choosing their career path yes. they want.
0: I just want to know uh, if you have any anything or anyone that that motivates you, or rather if you have role models that you look up to?
3: I look up to a lot of people, you know. Um, I won't say specifically someone, um, because I learn a lot from people, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I believe that you cannot do stuff alone, so I learn from other people, I'm inspired by other people's work. Um, yeah, so, all people motivate me, special family, you know, my brothers do motivate me. Um, you know, even other people, innovators, you know, Mm -hmm. from a very young age, we're inspired by other big guys that go seven and stuff. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, those kind of people who bring change in the community, you know, anyone who brings change and has a positive impact in the community, that's the kind of people I look up to. Sure. And
1: in one of your interviews, you said studying computer systems introduced you to another side of yourself that you're not aware of. Uh, please tell me more about that as to, you know, what did you discover about yourself?
3: Uh-huh. Uh, I discovered that I'm a, I'm a maker. I'm an inventor. So how did that start? You know, I'm that person where I ask myself if I learned something, how do I make use of it. Mm. So, during my school days, varsity days at that time, on weekends I would experiment, you know. So I had this one machine that I had, uh, the hair cutting machine. So it got broken. And I, I still loved it. I didn't want to throw it away. And then I did a little, bit, a little bit of research on how I can fix it. So I managed to convert that machine that plugs onto the, to the wall socket to now plug into a computer. So I kind of designed it, you know, did a little bit of investigations. So from there I was like, uh, did I manage to do this? And then I would just cut my hair, you know, plug to into my computer. So uh-huh. your from
1: computer powers up?
3: The powers up machine, the machine. The machine. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Interesting.
3: So from there, that is when I was like, oh, so if I can do this, what more can I do? Then yeah. I started to do more um, research. And then I think the most important was Enjoy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Enjoying and loving what I did stimulated more creativity. And then, because I also, when I do research, I see what other people are doing. And then, oh, okay, so if they manage to do this, I'll try to do that yeah. differently, you know. So, yeah, that's how I
0: discovered. All right, so uh, I want to know uh, from since you, you made this invention, just want to know if people have started approaching you differently. How are the conversations going right now?
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's very, uh, it's very interesting, you know, and scary at the same time. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, take it, you know. So mm. my, in my mind, I'm thinking, technological stuff, how to solve problems, what about this, and then try means to be humble. What, what scares me is that it changes the way people see you. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I'm like, ah, I'm just a normal person. And then someone else was like, yo, you yo, this is guy, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you were so inspired. It's great. Some other conversations where you get a call someone who want to work with you, but then you don't know at what scale, you know. At the same time, you think about, I still need to focus. As much as there are new opportunities, you still need to maintain the focus and continue to what you started, you know. Um, you must have got that thing that you must finish what you started. Mm. So it's awesome but it's scary at the same time. And then I try to always not to let it get into my head. I just yeah.
1: Right. And just for the last question for tonight, where do you see yourself in five years time?
3: Yo <laughs> that's a very interesting question because I remember in twenty thirteen I said the same thing and then now I'm in a different place. Yeah. You know, so, five years' time, Mm. where we can be. Try to push as much as we can, try to innovate as much as we can. And... Are you planning on
1: studying any further?
3: Yes, very, very, yeah. Even now I've been considering that. I did enroll last year, so this year I was like, I need to take a break because all my life has been studies. Okay, ever since, so this is like my first gap year ever since. All right, so yeah, I'm looking to continue to further studies. Um, obviously, I want to grow and be an expert as Africa, we need experts, sure. Oh, uh-huh. So, we, do. we need to study hard. Um, as much as we're innovating, we're entrepreneurs, we need to be experts in particular fields. So, I'm looking to be having at least a master's or a PhD if I can. You wow, know. and then. Yeah, business-wise to grow, you know, create opportunities for the youth, make their future exciting.
1: Yeah. Well, wow, thank you so much. I'm not sure if Campion has another question.
0: No, I'm fine. It was interesting hearing. Yeah,
1: I'm left feeling very inspired, mm. gobsmacked
0: absolutely
1: <laughs> to mm. a certain extent. And really, I think this interview has been sort of eye-opening for me as well, where I'm just, you know, learning about so many other things, like you were mentioning that, you know, as a person, you just need to, you know, keep reinventing yourself and also the statement that you just made that, I mean, with the knowledge that I have, how can I make use of it? It's not enough to just, you know, come to work, do whatever you need to mm-hmm. do and get out. But how else can it work uh, for the betterment of other people as well? But thank you so much for making time for us this evening on The Science Inside.
3: No, it's my pleasure. My pleasure.
1: Okay. Well, that was it from Gulego Tunzi. We return after the break.
0: This is the science inside.
1: We had Gulego Tunzi before the break. He is a computer systems graduate from TUT. And we were just simply going through what he's been working on, what he has been doing and how far he is with his project and the walking aid that he has designed and developed for blind people. It was really an insightful interview one that i've learned quite a lot from and yeah he's not only a techie he's a social activist a business person he's also a young person who's looking to see that other young people are also elevated or empowered and i find that really refreshing to have young people like him who think in such a way but that is where we leave the show for tonight and yeah thank you to our featured guest who was on the show tonight Dunzi. and today's team behind the scenes is production by masibulele lunika campion zarima and tech by Gudwano Serame. our podcast is on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash science and on itunes as well on social media you can find us as facebook and on twitter as vow fm and you can hashtag Science Inside. The Science Inside is produced by the WITS Radio Academy, funded in part by the South African Department of Science and Technology. That is all for tonight. Good night.
0: The Science Inside Podcast. Podcast.